Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles then, the book of Colossians, chapter number 3. And I'd like to uh, read here verses uh, 12 down through verse number 14. Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, the holy and beloved, the bowels of mercies, the kindness, the humbleness of mind, the meekness, the long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Let's just look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our gracious God, we thank you again for Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for all that he means to us. We thank you for the word of God that we possess, and we just uh, pray, God, as we turn to your word this morning, we pray that we'd set aside any cares of the world that we might have, that we could focus upon your word. Help us, God, to see the truth of these verses of scripture. Help us to see how they apply to our individual life as a believer. We pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, a few weeks ago, we began a study on forgiven, forgiveness. And that's why you know, we asked the question, why do we highlight the word give out of the word forgiven because you have to give. That's why. It, it, remember, what, remember we gave you and we shared with you the occurrence of this specific word and the definition and how this word forgiving and forgave come from the word for grace. So really forgiving someone, each other, is a demonstration of the grace of God in your life. And then we began looking at, there's a twofold aspect of forgiveness. Again, we see it here in Colossians 3. We're going to look at this verse of scripture. Ephesians chapter 4. Where we're to be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, for God's sake, hath forgiven you. So the twofold aspect, first of all, and I confess to you, I'm doing in reverse order of the verse, but I wanted to begin with what? God's divine forgiveness. We see that in Ephesians chapter 4 and then here in Colossians 3. If you look here and have Colossians chapter 3 verse 12, or excuse me, verse 13. For, for bearing one another and forgiving one another, even as if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. God's divine forgiveness. God has forgiven us of all our sin through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, through the blood of Christ. We have the absolute forgiveness of all sins. And again, and we'll point it out, but that's completed action. So we understand and see God's divine forgiveness, but their second part of this is human forgiveness, forgiving one another. And just think, it's based upon what God has done. And that word forgiving, forgave, that specific, that specific word is used of, and part of the word comes from the noun for the word for grace. And that same word, just go back to Romans chapter 8, we showed you some of the occurrences, and when I do this, we, love the, we stand four square in the King James translation, but it's to show you how, how this word is used in different places. 
So we see in Ephesians and Colossians, forgiving, forgave, and, and there's a reason why one's in the present tense and one's in the completed action point in time tense. But that same word, look here at Romans chapter 8, verse number 31. What shall we then say to these things? There are, there are five words in verse 28 and 29 and 30. What shall we say to those five words? If God be for us, who can be against us? And again, that if is not an con English conditional if. If it's a nice day, this is what I'm going to do. That's not, and if it's not a nice day, I can't do that, so I'm stuck inside. That's not, that's not what the if here is saying. The if is what? If it is true. Since God is for us, who can be against us? How is God for us? What does verse 32 say? He that what? Spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He delivered him up for us, and he freely give. He freely gave us all things, and there, there, there's the word. There's a word that we're going to look at, forgiving one another. And we just rejoice at what God has done for us. So if you go back to Colossians chapter 3, so now we're talking about the human forgiveness. Here in Colossians 3, last time we looked at, it was based on Ephesians chapter 4. So the verb put on is in the imperative mood. It is a command, and it's actually indicating that it is something that, there, there's, there's an urgency. You know, if there's a problem, what do people do? They call for help. They, they point out that there's danger, and we need to respond to that. Well, there's an indication that there's this urgency. There's something here that God wants us to obey at once. And when we're in this portion of Colossians, folks, and it comes out real clean and clear. This is our responsibility. What we're going to enter into, we're talking about not only the human forgiveness, but we will show you there's things that God wants us to put on. It's our responsibility. It's not, it's, you can't say, well, it's this person's responsibility, not mine, or, well, pastor, it's yours. No, no it's my responsibility to teach you but it's going to be your own individual responsibility to respond to what God is saying. And the word put on then, it's in the command mood. It is something that should be obeyed at once, something that should be obeyed immediately. And the word put on literally means, and we will show you some of the occurrences, but the word literally means to be clothed upon. And this specific word appears some 28 times in the New Testament. This, this word 14 of those time, half of those time, it absolutely appears in Paul's epistles. And I want to just show you some of these occurrences. Go back with me and we'll put them on the screen. But go back with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 1. Just bear with me and run, run some of these verses together. And you'll see here in, in the gospel records, it's, it's putting on, it's being clothed with something. And you come over here to Colossians it's put off, put on. I'm going to put a, a slide here in a few moments. What, what should a well-dressed believer be wearing? Colossians 3.12. 3.12, 3.13, and 3.14. That, that's literally what God is saying. 
Put on, therefore, and then he is going to give us three descriptive terms and seven virtues that we, we as believers, are to be clothed with. Just look at, look at some of these verses of Scripture. Mark chapter 1, verse 6. And John was clothed with camel's hair and a girdle of skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. He was what? He was clothed. That, that word clothed is the, same, is the same word. It's the same word put on. Look over to Mark chapter 6, verse number 9. And I do this to show you how this word is being used. And look at how it's being used in the Gospels. Literal sense, obviously. Well, when you get over to Colossians 3.13, folks, it's, it is a, it's literally what we need as believers to be clothed upon. Mark chapter 6, verse number 9. But shod with sandals and not put on, there's a word put on, two coats. Go over with me to Mark chapter 15, verse number 17. And then we're, Mark 15, 17. And here's the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 16. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called the uh, Praetorum, and they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head. What did they do? They clothed him with purple. They, they were mocking because purple is a sign of royalty. But they put it on him. If you look over with me to Acts chapter 12, verse 21, this is an interesting verse because we see of Herod and what Herod has done and Herod's actions and, and hatred to the Jews. And we know that the chapter began with Herod killing, killing one of the 12 apostles, James, the brother of John, with a sword. And yet we understand and realize in the context, Peter never sought to replace him like he did Judas. Why? Because God's program is changing. And by the way, if you keep reading, he was ready to kill Peter. Because they, they, the Jews, Jews were okay with this. And, they, and it pleased them. It pleased the Jews that they allowed a Gentile leader to kill one of their fellow beings, citizens. Because they hated them because they were disciples of Christ. And he was ready to kill Peter. And God, God he arrested him and God intervened. But here in Acts chapter 12, verse 21... And this is leading up to the death of Herod. But And upon a set day that Herod arrayed in royal apparel and sat upon the throne and made an orientation unto them. He was arrayed in royal apparel. Arrayed, his, his, I just like that because we, we, we as believers should be arrayed with something. That just sounds, I don't know, very interesting and powerful. Put on. So he was arrayed. He, he had put on these specific clothes. Look over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And also as you see this word, you'll see there's times that it is of our responsibilities and there's times that God is going to do it. Because notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53 and verse 54. 
And we know the context is the rapture of the church, the body of Christ, the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive remain shall be caught up together, as 1 Thessalonians tells us, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be changed. And here in 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about, I behold, I show you a mystery, verse 51. We shall not all sleep, we shall not all die, but we all shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we who are alive shall be changed. Praise God for that. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. there's, There's the word. Now, we don't have to worry about doing this because God's going to take care of this. But one day, this corruptible, and we have shared and said, and I've done this at funerals, these these four words, you, you do not need a theological dictionary to find these words. You don't. If you have a dictionary at home or look on the internet under www.dictionary.com and you can type in a word, I'll give you the definition. Those four words, corruptible, incorruption, mortal, immortality. And when you understand those four words, you understand what we face. But yet we see God's love and God's grace, right? Right? Corruptible means subject to decay. Incorruptible means not subject to decay. Mortal means subject to death. And immortality means not subject to death. You can define those words. Not difficult. But when you understand the meaning of those words, we're we're subject to death. But one day, this mortal is going to put on immortality that we will never, ever, ever, ever be subject to death again. Right? Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. That's, that's God's word. That's something God is going to put on for us. But the word put on is here. I just find it interesting. It's the same word put on in Colossians, and it's the same word going back to Herod that he was arrayed. It's, it's the same word, or cloth. Well, if you go back with me to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3.10 is going to tell us to put on. Put off here in in verse number 9, and then in verse 10, you put on the new man, and then, which is, if you read Colossians 3.10, have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And that word renewed is in the present tense, so it's it's continuous action. It's in the process, that renewal. The knowledge being renewed, the knowledge of him, after the image of him that created him, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. And then we find out what God then says. And what we see here is put on, be clothed, array yourself, therefore, as the elect of God, the holy of God, and the beloved of God. These are, do you understand, these are three descriptive characteristics of who? Of who? Of us. Do do these include yourself? Yeah, of all, maybe I should have capitalized all. All believers, that includes you. These are three descriptive characterizations of all believers. We are the elect of God, we are the holy of God, and we are the beloved of God. Right? Praise God. And notice that 
On Sunday night with Bible Dixer, we never really talked about the word election, so we're going to talk about that word this evening. But it's not the Calvinistic idea that God in eternity past elected certain people to salvation, you're going to get saved, and the other people to damnation. Sorry, that's, that's not what God's talking about. But we are the elect of God. We, we are the holy of God. And this same word, we're not going to go back there, but in Acts chapter 2, verse 27, and in Acts 3, 14, that same word is used of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Acts 2, 27, it's a quotation of Psalm 16, 10. You're not going to let thy Holy One to see corruption. Because the Lord Jesus Christ didn't see corruption because what happened after being in the sepulcher for three days and three nights? He was resurrected. So he, he did not see corruption. But the word Holy One is a reference to Christ, and it's the same word that is used to describe believers. And then we're the beloved. And that's a verb. And that verb is in the perfect tense, which means completed action with continuous results. So you were the beloved of God yesterday, right? You were the beloved of God today. Are you going to be the beloved of God tomorrow? And the next day? And then, yeah, praise God. The noun of that, or the adjective of that, is found back in Matthew 3. This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. So, the reality is, these are talking about Christ in other verses of Scripture, but here it's talking of us, because we are in Christ. We're, we're not going to be a God. Please don't understand, misunderstand that. But what is true of Christ is true of us because as Ephesians 5 says that we're bone of his bone, we're flesh of his flesh. The two become one. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the, and the church. The realization of Colossians, the beginning portion of Colossians 3.12 is this. Can we say it this way? Because we, and I, I, I debated Maybe I should have put, because you are the elect of God. But I put we collectively as believers. Because we are the elect of God, because we are the holy of God, because we are the beloved of God, we are commanded to put something on. Do you understand? So the first description here, the elect of God, the holy, and the beloved, those are three descriptive terms, words, characterization of, of all believers. If you've been saved five minutes or if you've been saved 40 years or 50 years, that, that is absolutely true, and that became true at the moment of your salvation. Then what we find out is, what, what, what does God want us to put on? And then he is going to describe in descriptive terms seven virtues for all, all believers Here's the emphasis, all believers. So you can't say, well, that, that's okay for you or that's okay for someone else, but I don't fall under that. Well, if you're, if you're the elect of God, if you're the holy of God, you're the beloved of God, you're to put something on, right? This is, what, this is what God is talking about. There are seven virtues for all believers to put on, to be arrayed with, to be clothed with. And what we could really subtitle this 
is the spiritual attire, the spiritual dress for all believers, right? Right? You, you, you're with me, right? All right. What the well-dressed believer should be wearing is right here. Because he is talking upon these important virtues that, he, that God is commanding us with a sense of urgency and immediate response to have in our individual lives because we're believers. Holy of God, the beloved of God, the elect of God, put these things on. This is what we should be clothed with in the imagery, if you want. The reason why you would see the spiritual attire or what the well-dressed believer should be wearing is because of the word what? Put on. That's, that's why, one of the reasons why I showed you some of the places, remember it appears some 28 times, 14 times in Paul's epistles, 14 times outside of Paul's epistles, but how it was used. And you saw in the Gospels, John was clothed with this. Well, that, that's physical dress. Or they put this on the Lord Jesus Christ, the robe of purple. Or what King Herod was arrayed with. And you would say, well, Stuart, that's pretty simple. That's all physical dress. Yeah, I understand that. But now this is God talking to us, what? Spiritually, what, what, we, what is spiritual attire? What should the believer spiritually be arrayed with? What, what should the well-dressed believer be wearing? Here you go. Here are these seven virtues. We're just going to put the first six on the screen. Here you go. This is what God says. Be, and again, if you go back to that previous slide, be, and literally it's be, because you are the elect of God, because you are the holy of God, because you're the beloved of God, put on bowels of mercies, right? Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long, long suffering. And long suffering is in respect to people, trials, patience, is, is respect to trials or tribulations. Forbearing one another. But that's only six of them. And if you want more of a description of each of these six, we, we certainly could do that. This is what God says we, we should be putting on in our life. The bowels of mercies, the kindness, the humbleness of mind, the meekness, the long-suffering, the forbearing one another. But the seventh one is what? Forgiving. Forgiving one another. And again, notice... Notice there is a tense change, just like you had in the book of Ephesians. There is a tense change. Why is there a tense change? Because the one is speaking of man forgiving man, and the other one is of God, of Christ forgiving you. Of not some of our sins, all of our sins. And as we look at and study Colossians 3, 12 to 14, as you think upon what we studied a few weeks ago in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. He forgave us of all of our sins. 
And here in Colossians, it's seven. And Ephesians talked about what? Being kind, being tenderhearted, forgiving one another. So human forgiveness, man's forgiveness is present tense because we continually need to forgive or might have to. God's forgiveness is once for all. And think about it. In relationship to the cross, where, where were we? We weren't even here, right? So at a point in time, and remember, the Lord Jesus Christ bears all the sins of the world. And we know you have the seven sayings from the cross, and one of those directed dealing with Israel. What? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His own people, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. When, when Pilate told the Jews, it is common at this time during the Passover that we release a prisoner to you. Who do you want? Will we release the Lord Jesus Christ or Barabbas the murderer? What do they say? Give us Barabbas, you take Christ. I'm not going to take the time this morning, but I can show you in the old, under the Old Testament, that was clearly a violation of the Old Testament law. Because he, he was a murderer. And they knew it. And they said, set him free, but you deal with Christ. And it was like, well, you have your laws. Just to, We'll give you permission to take him out and stone him. That wasn't good enough. They, wanted, they demanded that he be crucified. And again, crucifixion is the most inhumane way that man ever invented a way to put another fellow human being to death. And they, the, the nation of Israel demanded this of, of Pilate to crucify Christ. But we weren't even there. And yet we are born, and as we live our life, we know the difference, as believers, or should know, between sin singular and, and sins plural. Sin singular, we're born sinners because of what Adam did. And the sins, plural, are show, demonstrate that we're sinners. But God forgave us at a point in time. And when Christ is on the cross, and we know if you go back to the, to the records in the Gospels, he's on the cross by 9 o'clock in the morning. And he's going to be off the cross by 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And 12 to 3, there is what over all the earth? There's darkness. And what does 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 tell us? God is light, and in God there is absolutely what? No darkness. So if there was darkness over the land that moment, where was God? He, he, wasn't, he, he was not there. No, Christ, Christ, Christ did not stop being God, but he was bearing all the sins of the world, our, our sins. So what Ephesians is talking about and what Colossians is talking about when it's completed action of God or Christ forgiving, it's showing us that he forgave us at a point in time, separated by time, completed action, absolutely all of our, all of our sins. And Colossians is very clear in verse 13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. 
And Christ has forgiven us of not just one sin, not just two sins, but he's forgiven us of what? All sin, absolutely all the sins that we've ever committed. Not, and again, what, what, is, what is the word forgiving one another as Christ forgave? It is the word for grace, and it is demonstrating grace. And that's why in the message, in the title of the message, for give is a lot bigger. <laughs> why? Because forgiving is for us to be giving and demonstrating God, God's grace. And that's what, why we have completed action versus present tense, because our forgiveness is ongoing, right? If I do something that I need forgiveness next week, and I ask, what, what are you to do? You're to forgive. You don't know that I'm going to do this, but that something happens. And, and remember, when you think about the, the issue of reconciliation, we have the message, the word, the gospel of reconciliation, and people who are friends, nations who are friends, who are friendly with each other, they don't need to be reconciled, right? Reconciliation occurs when there is alienation. And when there's alienation, then we need to understand that. And again, Colossians 3 is, is not based upon legalism. This is based upon what? God's grace. And these are seven things that we as believers should be clothed with, clothed with, that we should be arrayed with. It should be part of our spiritual, so you understand, our spiritual attire. And then I just love this because he then tells us, here are these seven things. And seven in the Bible is a number of what? Completion, perfectness, right? And it's interesting, the seventh one is forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And then he then, verse 14, it doesn't stop there. He has one final virtue, to put on all the seven previous virtues, and that is found in verse 14, and above all these things. And literally, what he is saying is what? Upon all these things, you put on what? Charity, which is love. You put, you put on love. And, and, the view, and the view here, most of us like cake, the view here is you, you just made a cake, all right, with seven important ingredients, the humbleness of mind, the meekness, the long-suffering, the forbearing, the forgiving, the bowels of mercies. And upon the cake, you put on love, and what do you put on top of a cake normally? Icing. This is the love icing. If you like icing, it's, it's on top of. On top of all these seven virtues that we are to be clothed with, that we are to be arrayed with, that, that should be a part of our life. And it's not, you cannot now, now throw a condition. You can't come back here, well, I will have humbleness of mind if, or I will forbearing one another if they if a person forbears me or I will forgive someone if they forgive me that, that's not what this says right there, there's no condition here it's unconditional and that's why forgave forgive forgiving forgiveness and you look at that those middle words it spells out what the word give and upon all those 
and above all these things, literally. Verse number uh, 14, and above all these things, and literally the idea is upon all these things, you put on charity. You put on love, which is the bond of perfectness, because we know, go back with me, you know the verse of Scripture, but go back to Romans chapter 5, because God's demonstrated his love for us. Romans uh, chapter number 5. Romans chapter 5, and notice here verse number 6 down through verse number 8. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man someone even dare to die. But God, verse 8, but God commendeth what? His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, we weren't the good guy, we weren't the self-righteous, we were the sinners, Christ died for us, but God commanded, God pointed out his love for us. And that word love here in Romans 5, 8, obviously is the same word over in Colossians chapter 3. Verse, dealing with verse uh, 15, and above all these things, you, you put on love, which is a bond of perfectness, and then we also know, or verse 14 rather, and then we also know, if you look over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 for a moment, there are things that are going to pass away, the perfect, when the perfect has come, and the perfect has come, it's not a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a reference to the completion of God's word. These things are going to be done. Tongues, prophecies are going to fail. Knowledge, it's going to vanish away. And that's why I say, when you understand that, those things being done away with, think upon those four words and think upon the mortal, which is subject to death, must put on the immortality, which is not subject to death. And yet there are people who don't understand the sign gifts are not for us today in the dispensation of grace. And here he's talking about the things that are going to be done away with. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but that which is perfect is come. And again, that we've studied that out. We have a handout concerning that. When the perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Look at verse number 13. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, love, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And what are we to put on those seven virtues and those seven virtues? So, so what you have in Colossians, you want to go back to Colossians 3.12 to verse 14. What you have are three descriptive characterization of all believers. The elect of God, the holy of God, the beloved of God. And then you have seven virtues. And because we are the elect, the holy, and the beloved of God, we are to put on the seven virtues and then on top of those seven virtues, how can we, how can we deal with for, forbearance and forbearing one another and forgiving one another and having humbleness of mind and meekness and long-suffering to someone who constantly wants to attack, maybe? On, a, on, on top of all seven, you put on love, which is a bond of perfect, the bond Binding of perfectness. It begins with salvation. 
See, this, these, this, this, command, this, grace, this is a grace command, folks. There's no other way to say it. This is based on the law. It's not based upon the gospel records. This is based upon God telling us as members of the church, the body of Christ, these seven things we need to have and put on to be clothed with and on top of the seven, put on love. This is not a directive to the unsaved because that's human religion because then they're trying to be good to get their way. The only way of salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world. He died on the cross that through his death, bro, and resurrection that we could be saved. If you've never trusted him as your savior, listening on the radio, watching on TV, trust him right now, right where you're at, before it's eternally too late in your life. And for us who are believers, this isn't just put on something, you know, once Oh, this is what God wants as a directive, as a command to us to be a part of what? Our everyday life. How can we do this? Because think about what God has done for you through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is forgiven of all of our sins, so we should. And we're commanded to be forgiving each other. Let's just look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our gracious God, we thank you for Lord Jesus Christ and all that he means to us. We thank you for the word of God that we possess. And Father, we pray, God, you just guide and direct us. Help us to understand these words. God, help us to apply these words to our lives. We pray in Christ Jesus' name, amen.